Have you ever thought about how we mark our lives with things? How we kind of leave markers on the timeline of our lives, like pebbles on a beach or cairns on a mountain? Or how we look forward to points in our month or our year as waypoints along the pathway of our lives? Think about some of those things for a moment that we use to do that. It might be annual events uh, or activities, birthdays, Christmas, Father's Day, Valentine's Day, Mother's Day. Or maybe you take a summer holiday or a winter break and they're a kind of marker in your year. You know, often we make a big deal of those things. We plan for them for ages. There are some who shall remain nameless on our team here at ABC who get so excited about Christmas that their Christmas tree goes up in the middle of November. You know who you are. Or maybe it's not an annual thing, but instead it's a smaller, simpler daily or weekly routine. The day of the week when you do your big shop, weekly date night, a day off, the weekend, part run on a Saturday morning, or a coffee shop meet up with friends on a Friday, or maybe going to a church service on a Sunday morning. We mark our lives with waypoints. Why do we do that? Well, it may be because they establish rhythms and routines, and we find those helpful and important for life. But of course, this pandemic has stripped away so many of those rhythms and routines, or it's changed them beyond recognition. And if we're honest, that may have caused many of us to struggle. That lack of rhythm or routine or the opportunity to do things that mark the passing of time or the opportunity to look forward to things, to waypoints, has been and continues to be a real challenge and a problem for many of us. And it's not just a pandemic that does that to us, of course. Big life changes or transitions can do that too. The transition from school with all of its set routines to college or university with less routine and more independence. And maybe that's liberating, but it's also potentially challenging. Maybe the transition into work or the transition from being single and only having to worry about yourself to a relationship where someone else comes along and you have to worry about them too, but they have routines and rhythms that might be different from yours. Or maybe for you it's been the transition into retirement or to becoming a parent for the first time. Or maybe it's a transition from a loss of someone close that brings different routines. You know, there's another problem... <clears throat> that a lot of us suffer from too. It's restlessness. You know, in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which we've been kind of using as a bit of an inspiration for this series, in that book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Comer describes restlessness as the product of infinite desire, but finite time and a finite soul. You know, so many of us have so many desires, the desires to do things, to achieve things, to experience things, to have things. And of course, desire on its own isn't necessarily a bad thing. In fact, it can motivate us to do lots of good things. But unchecked desire, desire with, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, desire with no limits, well, that can drive us into bad habits. It can drive us into constant activity. It can drive us into unrestrained spending. And of course, our resources are finite. We only have so much time, so much energy, so many material resources, and so much soul. And infinite desires clashing up against finite time and finite energy and finite soul only leads to restlessness. So those two factors that I've talked about already today, the stripping away of our regular rhythms and routines and our chronic restlessness can cause us big problems. 
They can lead to things like anger or anxiety or disillusionment or depression or hurry sickness that we talked about last week or busyness or overload. You know, I still vividly remember this time a year ago and how much I struggled in the early weeks of the pandemic. The change to working from home, the busyness and rush of trying to get all of our church stuff moved online, every day being like a groundhog day, all those normal routines having been stripped away, the fact that we couldn't get out, go away, meet up in person with friends. And that, coupled with the desire to make this online church stuff as good as it could possibly be, the desire to do it right, the desire to do more, to connect with more people, to keep in contact with people in the church, Those two factors, the lack of rhythm and routine and the desire for more meant constant striving, overworking, stress, anxiety, and ultimately, actually, exhaustion. And I remember chatting with a couple of church leader buddies and being so relieved to find out they were having exactly the same experiences. They were feeling exactly the same way. And then one of those buddies, in the context of our conversation, said, you know what? I think I need to find a new rhythm and a new routine. And it was like a light bulb moment. He was able to articulate exactly what the problem was. We needed a new rhythm and a new routine. And I was reminded then, as I am now, of an ancient principle that's all about rhythm and routine. And I think it's a principle that speaks to how one day can change everything. And today we're going to unpack that ancient principle. And I firmly believe it can change everything for every one of us. And whether lockdown for you means you're busier than ever, or whether it's the complete opposite and you're bored, frustrated and without much to do, this principle is life-changing. If your rhythm and your routine has been upset and taken away, then this ancient principle can change everything. Because it will help with rhythm. It will provide waypoints on the pathway of our lives. It's replenishing, energizing, and a reminder of just how God feels about us. And all of us can do this. All of us can benefit from this, regardless of who we are, what we feel about faith, what we do or don't believe about God, whatever our situation and our circumstances, this ancient principle is suitable for all of us. So I really want you to lean in over these next few minutes. Wherever you are, whatever your faith journey looks like, I want you to lean in because I think this could be life-changing. Now, we first discover this ancient principle right at the very beginning of God's story in the first book of the Bible, Genesis. You know, in the first couple of chapters of that book, we hear how God created everything, the heavens and the earth, the plants and the animals, and on and on and on. And in that story, three things are blessed by God. Firstly, God blessed the animal kingdom and said, be fruitful and multiply. Then the second thing that God blesses is God blessed human beings, the very pinnacle of his creation. And he said the same thing to human beings. He said, be fruitful and multiply. And then he has one final blessing. And I want to read it to you from Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 to 3. And you can follow along on the screen, or there is also a YouVersion Bible app live event for this live stream right now, where you can follow along as well if you want to do it that way. But here we go. This is what we're told in Genesis chapter 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. 
You see, God blesses a day, which might seem a little bit weird. Up to now, he's blessed animals and human beings, but this third blessing is a blessing of a day. Up until this third blessing, God has blessed things that have the capacity to be fruitful and multiply, to fill up the world with more life. But now God blesses a day. And that may be because this day has the capacity to bring life to, to procreate, to fill up the world. God blesses a day, I think, because it has the capacity to give and to enable life. Now, the ancient Hebrew word for this day, and Hebrew is the language in which this was originally written, the ancient Hebrew word for this day is Shabbat, which we may have heard used before as the word Sabbath. You know, Shabbat literally means to stop, but it can also mean to delight. You see, God stops and delights in all that he has made. He takes one day out of seven to pause and to enjoy. Now, I want to fast forward a little bit in the story of God, because as the story goes on, God sets aside a chosen people to be a light to the nations, his, his people to be a, a guide to the world about what it looks like to live in relationship with him. Uh, he sets aside this people to demonstrate what a relationship with God looks like and what it's like to live with God as the guiding force in your life. And he gives them some boundaries, a framework to live by. And some of those boundaries we know as the Ten Commandments. And the fourth of those commandments says this, and it's recorded for us in another book in the Old Testament part of the Bible, this time Exodus. In Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 10, this is the fourth commandment. God says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner uh, residing in your towns. God commands a Sabbath. Isn't it interesting that God has to command it? You would have thought that it, there would be a kind of a sense of, of delight or of chomping at the bit to take a day to stop and to rest. John Mark Comer in that book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, says this, Does that strike you as odd? It's like commanding ice cream or live music or beach days. That God has to command people to stop to do something deeply life-giving, to stop and to delight. And maybe God has to command it because there's something about the human condition that makes us want to strive, to accumulate, to be busy, to hurry, to resist the limitations of time and the limitations of our bodies and the limitations of our health. Maybe God has to command it because we're suffering from restlessness. And interestingly, this is the only one of the Ten Commandments with a why behind it. The rest are just straight out commands, no explanation. But this one, this one has a why. And here's the why in verse 11. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So here we, again we hear that God blessed a day. And the why has to do with that blessing, which has to do with rhythm. We're reminded that God adopted a rhythm. He blessed the seventh day, uh, the, Sabbath, the Sabbath day, the seventh Sabbath day. He blessed it and he took it himself. And note also that that commandment starts with the word remember. Don't forget to do this. 
It's so easy to get sucked into the pace and busyness of life. Don't forget this important rhythm. And remembering is not merely a thought exercise. In the same way that remembering your mum on Mother's Day or your wedding anniversary or an important birthday is not enough on its own. It's not enough just to remember it. It's not enough just to recall the day or the anniversary or the birthday. It requires some action, preferably in the form of a really large present, I guess. This kind of remembrance requires action. It's not enough to remember that Sabbath is a good idea. It requires some action. Now, fast forward again in the story of God, now to the life and ministry of Jesus, hundreds, thousands of years later. And this idea of Sabbath has become tainted. It's become bound up in loads of rules about what you can and can't do on that day. And instead of being a day to stop and to delight and to rest, it's become bound up in legalistic rules that have corrupted the heart of the idea and the principle behind it. And one day Jesus is accused of breaking the Sabbath laws because he and his followers pick some corn from a field on the Sabbath day. And Jesus responds by reminding everyone of the heart of the idea. And he says this, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for human beings to enjoy, to give them life, to bring refreshment and delight, not to be bound up in a whole load of rules. You know, the Sabbath was an ancient practice that was intended to bring life and delight, intended to multiply life and energy. Walter Brueggemann says this about the Sabbath. He says, people who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently. You know, the lack of rhythm or routine that's been forced on us by this pandemic, coupled with the chronic restlessness of the human condition, can and is causing us big problems. But there is this ancient principle that can provide us with rhythm, with waypoints on the pathway of our lives. It's replenishing, energizing, and a reminder of just how God feels about us. You know, God initiates this rhythm by blessing a day. And he blesses a day because it has the capacity to give and to enable life. And that ancient principle was called Shabbat, from which we get the word Sabbath. And it was about stopping and delighting. It was an ancient practice that was intended to bring life and delight, to multiply life and energy. And perhaps now more than ever, it feels really important. Now, I'm wondering how many of you listening to this right now are thinking, well, that all sounds great, but you don't know my life. How many of you right now are saying to yourself, I get this idea, but there is no way I could implement that in my life. You don't know me. A 24-hour period simply to stop to not do any chores or any work, to stop and to delight and to rest. It's just not realistic in my life. But before you switch off and dismiss this as an unrealistic idea, let me just say a couple of things. That word Shabbat, remember, it's a verb, not an action. That word Shabbat in the Hebrew is a verb. It's an action. It requires practice. It's going to take some time to work out the best way for you to do it. It's going to take some planning, some thinking, some preparation. And Sabbath isn't about sitting on your own in a dark room in silent prayer and meditation for 24 hours. Silence and solitude are a different thing. Sabbath is about stopping and doing those things that bring delight and joy to your life. It's about spending a day to replenish and to delight in God's goodness in your life. 
You know, I remember when my kids were little and I'd think about Sabbath and think, well, that can never happen. I'm never going to get the time and space to do Sabbath with two young kids. Then the penny dropped. Of course, spending great time with my kids, doing stuff together as a family that were fun and life-giving and energizing, that is Sabbath. If you've got kids, ask, what could we do together that would bring life and delight? Involve them in the planning. I mean, imagine how amazing it would be if you got to the point where planning for a Sabbath together each week was part of the joy of it. If you've got really young kids, imagine building this into your life from the time they are very young so that it becomes a part of your rhythm and your routine as they get up and grow older. You know, if you're on your own, what could you plan to do that would bring you joy and delight on a Sabbath day? Maybe a walk with a friend, a phone call to a grandchild, maybe writing a letter. You know, now more than ever, this feels really important. When every day is pretty much the same, whilst we live under lockdown restrictions, having one day every week where you do something different, where you walk away from the table, where you do your homework, or the desk where you work at home, or you turn off the phone, or you don't check social media, where you do something that marks that day out as different, that day can be a waypoint and something to look forward to and have fun planning. And I don't think it has to be complicated. It could be a movie night snuggled up under a blanket. It could be playing games. It could be picnicking on a rug in a living room. It could be having a takeaway. It could be going for a long walk. It could be pottering in your garden, taking photos of birds on your bird feeder, reading, spending the morning in bed, whatever it is that brings you delight. And when you're planning your Sabbath activity or when you're doing your Sabbath stuff, ask yourself this question. Is this activity on my Sabbath enabling me to replenish and to rejoice in God's goodness in my life? Is this activity on my Sabbath enabling me to replenish and rejoice in God's goodness in my life? And know that when you do that, when you replenish and rejoice in God's goodness in your life, God is delighting in your delight. And know when you do that, that you are doing what God did. And what he set aside, a blessed day to do and to be for you. You know, a keystone habit is a habit or change that someone introduces into their routine or rhythm that carries positive things over into the rest of their lives. Making Sabbath a keystone habit will have a huge impact on the rest of your life. Because on the other side of Sabbath is rest joy, replenishment, refreshment, rhythm, and being healthier emotionally, spiritually, and physically. You know, the Sabbath is a bit like a limiter on the speed of life. It's an ancient practice that I think we need in modern life more than ever before. What might be waiting for you on the other side of Sabbath? Isn't that worth some investment of thought, of preparation, of discussion? You know, here is an ancient principle that has the capacity to change all the other days in our week. An ancient principle that could change everything. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that so often we find such huge wisdom in your story, in the pages of the scriptures, what we call the Bible. Thank you that there is huge wisdom in the way that you set aside and set out how life should be lived. Lord God, 
Thank you that you know the best and you know that the best for us is to have this period, this 24-hour period each week, to just stop and to delight and to be replenished. Lord, thank you that you're not asking us to do anything you haven't done yourself. So help us as we ponder this message today, as we think about what we might do. For those of us who are hearing this going, yeah, I so need this in my life, I just don't know how to do it. Or those of us who are saying, you know, actually I'm so bored and frustrated at the moment with lockdown without having anything to do. How we can begin to plan and build this into our schedules and our programs. So it provides something to look forward to in our week and a, and a kind of waypoint along the way. Lord God, guide and direct our thinking, I pray. And as we pause and stop and rest and delight, may we know your delight in us doing that. May we know your smile as we do it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.